It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Well, it doesn't require a headline for Americans to know the economy's in choppy waters and inflation is causing challenges at America's kitchen tables. So what can the Federal Reserve do? Well, we're going to go to and look to President and CEO of the Federal Reserve of San Francisco for some insight, some inspiration, and the path forward. Let's begin. Think you know the news of the day? Think again. With a lot of concerns about the economy, very front and center in most people's lives, it is a real treat and a pleasure for us to once again welcome to the program the President and Chief Executive Officer of the Federal Reserve Bank of San Francisco, Mary Daly. Uh, Mary, it is so great to have you back on the program. Obviously, a lot of folks are are wringing their hands a little bit in terms of economy, and uh, this is such a treat for us to be able to have uh, someone with your expertise and unique perch in the world to see what's going on, to help us understand it a little bit, uh, understand what is going on, what tools the Fed can use, and so on. Uh, and so let's kind of start with uh, kind of where we are. You've actually used a, a really interesting phrase, the indignity of inflation. Explain that to us. Well, thanks first for having me on the program. And the indignity of inflation really can be, I think, captured by this. You go and you get a job, you earn a living, you actually see your wage growth going up, but month after month, you see the ability to purchase goods and services you just purchased a month ago go down. So I see this all the time in my community. People show up to the checkout, and as they're getting closer to it, they have this putback behavior. I call it the putback index, which has been rising sharply. They start sending their kids on runners to, we don't really need this. Why don't you go put it back in the aisle? Or they stack things up as they get there because they do not want to experience getting to the checkout and not having the funds to pay for the things they purchase. And to me, that's a tremendous indignity. You're earning a living, you're seeing wage growth, and you're seeing that purchasing power each and every month. We can't have that, which is why the Fed is collectively committed and resolute to restore price stability and make inflation something people don't have to think about anymore. Yeah, that, and that's so true. That putback index is such a big – I was actually at the store last night, and uh, there was a stack of things uh, as I was going through the checkout. I'm like, why is all – and then I, and it hit me just the way you said it. The putback index is real. Before we get into some of the tools and, and what the Fed is doing about it, uh, take us down the business path, especially the small business owner. How is this uh, impacting uh, organizations and small business and entrepreneurs? Well, small businesses are hurting. As you know, as you go to small businesses, you see help wanted signs. And you often see, at least in my neighborhood and across the district, I have nine states in the western U.S. And I can go to any of those states and they see the same thing. Small businesses that have their hours posted with those, those permanent signs. And then they have a temporary sign over it that says, you know, we're not open on this day or here's our hours right now because we can't find staff. A lunch place the other day that I went to was closed for lunch 
because they couldn't, they didn't have the staff they needed. When they do get the staff, they're expensive. And of course, those expenses add up on top of the inflation they're paying for their, their things that produce the goods or services they're delivering. And so their margins are just falling. And so if you're a big business, that's profitability and it's painful. But if you're a small business, it means you're close to closing. I talked to one small business the other day and the person said, I thought the pandemic was bad and I made it through. And now this is going to kill my business. Inflation mm. is just too high. Can't find workers. I'm going to have to close. And he had a tear in his eye. Of course, he's choked up because this is a family business and it's going to be him, the last person who owns that business. And, and that feels, that's an indignity that's really, you can feel it right when you talk to the person. They're losing their lives and livelihoods. Yeah. And I'm, I'm one of those who believes that those entrepreneurs and small business owners uh, are really what drive freedom, not just here in America, but around the world. And uh, that, that breaks my heart uh, that they can fight through the pandemic and then get to this phase uh, and not be able to weather it uh, because of the inflation factor there. Uh, so let's talk about some of the things that uh, that the Fed is doing and uh, explain to us some of the tools that are available to the Fed. I think that will help everybody kind of get some perspective in terms of, okay, we, we know where we are and we know what we're feeling. Uh, now, how do we chart a path that actually moves us forward? Sure. The, the number one tool the Fed has is the interest rate. We raise the interest rate and it pushes through the economy. The first place that consumers' households saw it was in mortgage interest rates. The Fed raised the interest rate back in March, talked about raising the interest rate going forward to restore price stability, and mortgage interest rates changed over almost overnight and have continued to rise. That actually slows the housing market, and I know in some of the hot markets in the district that I serve, 12 Gulf District, Salt Lake, Boise, Idaho, we're already seeing the housing market slow in those areas in response to the rising mortgage rate. And what that means for you know young first-time home buyers is they're not in a bidding war so much anymore, they're not stacked 20 deep with people paying cash, and they don't even have a chance, but now they have a chance. Even if it's at a higher rate of financing, they now have an opportunity to go and show up and, and know that if they go out for a house, they have a better chance of getting one. So that's how this works. Remember, Home price inflation and rental price inflation are a big component of overall inflation. And so it's just a way, it's a good example of how the Fed's actions of raising the interest rate can can bridle the economy, the growth of the economy, and smooth out that inflation run-up we've been seeing, give some relief. And it happens in the housing market, it happens in other goods and services markets, and that's our principal tool. So the second tool we have, and I already mentioned it, is talking about what we're going to do. So the first is actually raising the interest rate. The second is talking about what we're going to do. And so the, the you see when we talk about raising interest rates further, markets already repriced. And when markets already repriced, we get those effects long before we're able to take the physical action of moving the interest rate. Those two things together, along with our commitment to tell every American, we are all about restoring price stability. We understand that people need jobs, but they also need prices not to rise so dramatically month to month. Oh, that's that's so important, and that the setting those expectations and and really having a communication strategy that's equal in uh, ro- being robust as the policy strategy uh, is is so important. Walk us through this just a little bit. Of course, a, a lot of people took the headline um, from the Federal Reserve Chairman Powell's remarks in Jackson Hole that there there is going to be some pain. There 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 are things that are going to be really hard. I think that was a an important communication. I think to to your point. Uh, in terms of 
of setting the expectation. This is where we're going. Um, what else needs to be done in terms of helping people understand that through this, that price stability is is going to be the result? Uh, I always say if, if the why is big enough, the how is not a problem for the American people. Uh, is there more that can be done to help them understand the, the why of that and how that's going to impact them at, at home and around the kitchen table? Yeah, I absolutely think there's more to be done. It's one of the reasons I, I like coming on your program and really helping listeners understand. You know, one of the things that's very important is the path to restoring price stability is is not easy, of course, but it isn't the 1970s or 80s, which so many people do remember is just a tremendous painful experience. We are not in that situation today. We're in a period where inflation's been high for you know a little over a year. We have the tools to bring it down. Inflation expectations, what people think will happen two, three, four years from now, are still well anchored, we call it, well solidified around our 2% target. So we're not in a position where we have to do you know, outrageously large things in order to restore price stability, but we do have to slow the economy. And right now, people really are enjoying the robustness of the economy. They just don't like the high inflation. So what I see us doing is raising the interest rate, bringing price stability back, slowing the job market, slowing the housing market, slowing the, the, the growth of the economy, but doing so in a way that still allows us to you know, move forward. It's not really an orchestrated recession. It's, it's much more of an orchestrated slowdown. Those things, they typically get termed a soft landing to get us back down to something that feels more sustainable and feels less frantic. Mm. And that less franticness will do this for the American people. And this is the, the job, right? You won't see that put back index uh, growing. You won't go to the checkout and see families try to figure out how we're going to pay for school supplies and pay for the food we need and what are the trade-offs we're making. You'll see people get jobs and they'll want to stay at those jobs because they're now focused on growing their career, not trying to catch up to the ever-rising inflation. And that that stableness, that sustainability is what Americans deserve. And it's what we know actually contributes to a thriving economy, not just today, but in the future. Great insight from President and Chief Executive Officer of the Federal Reserve Bank of San Francisco, Mary Daly. We're going to do what we like to do. We're going to stay with the conversation a little longer and share more insight on what is being done, how that impacts you, and how it can march the economy and the country forward. Stay with us. Think again with Lloyd Matheson on KSL News Radio. Inside Sources. Inside Sources with Lloyd Matheson. We're going to stay with the question just a little bit longer as it relates to inflation and where we are in terms of the economy and continue our conversation with the Federal Reserve Bank of San Francisco president and CEO, Mary Daly. You know, I always say that people run out of energy before they run out of opportunity. And when it comes to the economy, it's important to give everyone just that little exhale moment. So many of us are walking around just clenched fists, tight stomach, and just a little exhale goes a long way. So to create some certainty in a past so consumers and small businesses in particular have more confidence moving forward that's where we went with the conversation because I think that is what Mary Daly is trying to do. Yeah, absolutely. I really like this exhale moment that you mentioned because honestly, people are holding their breath, right? Yeah. We came through the pandemic. Are we going to make it? Then it's high inflation. Oh my gosh, are we going to make it? And I feel like 
we need a collective exhale moment as a nation, as an economy, so that businesses, they're not, they haven't lost their momentum. They haven't lost their entrepreneurial spirit or their resoluteness to, to contribute. Young people haven't lost their desire to make careers. We just had to put that on hold almost to sort of hold our breath and get through kind of ongoing crises. And so restoring price stability and getting the economy back down to a predictable, sustainable pace of growth really is about that collective exhale, that sense of, okay, I'm going to look not just to next week, I'm going to look to next year. I'm going to look to three years from now. Let's figure out what I want to do as a person. How do I want to invest in myself? What do I want to do as a business? What do I want to do in my community? Those forward-looking behaviors, they only come when inflation is low and stable, and they only come when we have that collective exhale moment, as you put it. Oh, love that. And uh, help us understand this a little bit. I, I think it's so fascinating, this area that you cover, the 12th district, largest, most diverse, uh, for sure, within the Federal Reserve System. Uh, I, I love some of your vision in terms of what you're really trying to do. And I wanted you to explain that to our listeners just a little bit as you talk about uh, building a healthy, inclusive and sustainable economy. Again, that kind of gives everyone that quiet confidence that, hey, we got a chance, we got a path, and uh, we can do this. You know what I love about the 12th District? So just to give people some context, you know, we have Alaska and Hawaii. So we have these, wow. these states that look really different often than the mainland. We have Idaho. We have Utah. We have Nevada, Arizona. Then, of course, California and Oregon and Washington, all these coastal states. And here's what I see again and again. I can go anywhere in the district. I can go to a rural area, a city a coastal community, I'll see the same thing. People who want to contribute to the economy, to their community, and they just want opportunity. And they need ingredients for that opportunity. They need to not think about inflation. They need to know that we're going to be able to smooth through these bumps, these really large bumps like a pandemic, but also the smaller ones like a run-up in gas prices. We can smooth through those, and we can all focus together on building for the future. I come away every time I talk to members of my district knowing that people want to work. They want opportunities. They want to contribute. And they feel like the equation is getting harder and harder because inflation is high, because they don't understand where we're headed. And those are the two pieces of confidence I really am about restoring because inclusion comes when people feel certain enough to invest in their future. They want to work with other people. We are ultimately, you know, humans are a collective group. We, we run in a pack, basically. And I see again and again, and I don't mean to use an animal analogy, but it's true. We're very social beings. Yeah. And we also want to help each other. And I saw this in the pandemic. I see it now. People really want to help each other. But the economy needs to be there and stable for people to spend their time thinking about their communities and each other as opposed to just scraping by, making those kitchen table trade-offs, figuring how they're going to survive. So my job in part, if you put it in a big term, is to move us out of the survival mode, how am I going to get through tomorrow, to letting people think about their future and their dreams. And that will be the ingredient of an inclusive economy that incorporates everyone in our diverse district, the 12th district. Yeah, that's that's so powerful. And uh, going from beyond just that survive mode uh, to where we can really thrive and, and move it forward. We often go back to 
to Lincoln's quote of the the role of of government or systems uh, is to clear the path of laudable pursuit for all to give all an unfettered uh, chance and a fair start uh, in the race of life and just I love that quote yeah for people just to have that confidence that hey I nothing's guaranteed but there is a path uh, I, I think is so important. Uh, I wanted to ask you before I let you go, I know we're very tight, but uh, I wanted to ask you in terms of what the American people are experiencing, uh, there seems to be a a really interesting uh, disconnect between some of the rhetoric, some of the policy pieces and and some of those wins versus that that sound good and should be and should be celebrated <laughs> and applauded uh, and and yet what's actually being experienced is there anything else that needs to be done in that space so the American people can say okay that's what they're telling me this is what I'm experiencing okay I can trust that because the trust in the institutions I think is is also vital I think it's a big part of what you're doing uh, is restoring that trust uh, in the institutions well I see Trust is the most important tool that the Federal Reserve or any public service organization has because ultimately we work on behalf of others. The whole job, every morning when I get up, the only reason I'm working is to serve others. If those others that I'm serving don't trust me because they either don't know me or they don't feel like I'm listening, mm-hmm. then what's the, the enterprise? Is it, it's just shaken. So I think the number one thing we can do, and I tell all my young people who join our organization, we are mission-driven people who are meant to serve. And the very first, the foundation of service is listening. Mm-hmm. We have to go out and hear how people actually live, what their experiences actually are. We can't simply rely on models or aggregate data or two people we talk to or, worst of all, introspection. We have to actually look outside, talk to people about what they're experiencing, and then tell them, okay, now I understand, and here's the path that I am going to work towards to restore confidence, to clear the space, as you said, so that people's energy and effort determine their outcomes, not disruptions from the economy that they have no control over. So that's what I want to do at the Fed. That's what I'm dedicated to. I think that is the thing that closes the gap between Americans' experiences and what we at the Fed or others say is that let's be let's build trust by doing what trust always is formed on yeah. talking, uh, listening, being with each other. Uh, fantastic. That is uh, a lesson in leadership as well as economics and monetary policy. Not often we get to put all of those things together. Uh, <laughs> before I let you go. Always uh, a pleasure. Uh, yeah. I uh, uh, just wanted to ask you really quick, is there anything on the horizon or anything just under the radar that we should be watching for as we head into the fall? Well, the, something that I'm thinking a lot about, and I think you all are thinking about it a lot now, I'm here in Oakland, California. We are having a massive heat wave. We're in a heat dome. This is affecting most of the West. So I know Utah is affected by this as well. And it just reminds me that while we're thinking about coming through the pandemic, managing high inflation, we actually have to also think about you know, falling lake levels, the fact that water and other resources don't come in the same way that we're used to, the fact that that heat and wind and rain and every and other kinds of things flooding are affecting how we do our business. And we have to remember that planning early for adapting to those types of things is the best way to make sure that everybody can get across that finish line and make that transition. And I really 
think that the fall and, and coming years is the time to plan because we have the ingenuity to manage through these things as they happen. I see it all the time, but we have to be intentional about making sure that we do it well so we don't end up, you know, by inattention leaving people behind or leaving mm. businesses lost. That would be a, an unforced error in my judgment. So we have to keep our eye on the long-term ball while we manage the inflation that we have today and manage making sure that everybody can can get a fair shot in the economy. Uh, I love that word intention. I'm going to have you back on another day and we're going to do a deep dive on that. Uh, I think that's a big part of the leadership equation there. Uh, Mary Daly, President and CEO of the Federal Reserve Bank of San Francisco. Always appreciate your expertise, your incredible knowledge and your fantastic leadership. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. My pleasure. Coming up, we'll talk about the largest voting bloc in America, millennials. They could change the way our elections run. Will they? Find out. We'll talk about it coming up next. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.